Today we're going to continue our series as we think about unity, and we're going to be in, again in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and crack it open, and you're going to find Ephesians nestled kind of toward the end of the, if you're new to the Bible, toward the end of the Bible. Uh, the Bible's in two parts, Old Testament, New Testament, um, and Ephesians is named Ephesians because a man named Paul wrote a letter to a church in the city of Ephesus, and if you have trouble keeping all the letters straight, like does Galatians come before Ephesians? What about Colossians? Just remember, go eat popcorn. And you can remember, oh, Galatians comes before Ephesians. But, wait, did I say that wrong? I don't know. Anyway, I'm tired. Uh, Galatians, yeah, Galatians comes before Ephesians. Colossians is after Ephesians. Anyway, sorry. Okay, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I think all of us know the difference between a name and a title. All of us have a name. Not all of us have a title. Uh, at least in this country, as Americans, there are no landed gentry that are born with dukes and duchesses or whatever. Although I am kind of bummed that there's no shot for me to get knighted by the queen. That's kind of a bummer. Um, but... We can't get, we don't have, titles are not something that we think much about as Americans, but uh, a name is for identification. A title kind of communicates what you do. A name is what you call, the title is what you do. So if you're a medical doctor, you're Dr. So-and-so. Or if you're a PhD, you're Dr. So-and-so. Or a, school te a professor at school, at a college, you're Professor So-and-so. And so today we're going to think about one of the titles of Jesus. Now, you might not think about it this way, but Jesus has two titles. One is Messiah. And the way that we the way that's translated in English is Christ. And so Christ means Messiah. So Messiah in the Old Testament, Christ in the New Testament means both mean anointed one. That's one of his titles. That's a title that indicates that Jesus is the promised one, the Messiah the anointed one promised from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and expounded upon as the book unfolds. That's a primarily Jewish title. Today we're going to think of a title together. We're going to think about this title together that is universal when it comes to Jesus. You see, Jesus is not king over a region or a nation, but the universe. And the title that he has that tells us this is a word that we use as Christians a lot. But if you're like me, we don't think about it too much. That title is Lord. You see, I'm apt to think about Jesus as Savior. And he is, right? He's Savior, absolutely. Uh, but in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Savior about 15 times. In the same New Testament, Jesus is declared Lord, or used, or his title is given along with his name, Lord Jesus, or Lord Jesus Christ, 184 times. So if the New Testament authors are saying anything by repetition, they're saying, yes, he's your Savior. But what you must understand and not miss on a day-to-day -day basis is that he is also your Lord. 
He is your Lord. And if you've been with us, you know what we're doing is we're thinking about what it means to be united as a people in this church. It's not enough for us to say be united. No, we're looking at the scriptures to tell us why and how. And more importantly, what we're united around or who we're united around. You see, the ties that bind us are real. We've seen that we're not just a collection of individuals. We are a body, one body. We're not just, we have been brought together by one spirit. And we all have the same hope. And today we remind ourselves that we serve not primarily a president or a governor or a king or an emperor, but our one Lord. Today we're going to continue to fight the thick fog of rancor and contention that has begun and continue to divide our nation and draw a line, continue to draw the line and continue to put that line in the sand and say, We will make every effort to stay united because we serve one Lord. Our world, our culture, is making every effort to tear us apart, to tear each other apart. But we as Christians, and we, if this is your church, center church, we say we're going to look at the Scriptures and remind ourselves why we're together. And today we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, that we are united because we have one Lord. And together we serve that one Lord. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1 of Ephesians 4. I'm going to read to verse 6. But we're just going to focus on the two words, one Lord, that we see in verse 5. But I read this for context. The English Standard Version translation of the Bible says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, that's Paul speaking, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, or making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Lord, we do not want to have, as we open the word, as we've heard from your word, we don't want this just to be an academic exercise. We want you to impact us, Lord. All of us are apt to think that we're our own master. We're not. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would help us to reorient our thinking. And as I preach, Lord, help me to forget myself. Lord, I pray, as the one who has all authority, that you would bless us this morning with your presence, with your word. I pray that you would impact us, stamp us. Stamp us as yours, Lord fresh. In your name we pray. Amen. Two points this morning as we think about our Lord, as we think about how we serve the Lord together. First, it's the Lord and then our Lord. First, the Lord. Now, I use the word the on purpose. That's a definite article. Jesus is not a Lord, but he is the Lord. He has all power and authority, not just over the world, 
but over the entire created order, over the universe, over the things we can see, over matter, over spirits, over everything, the things that we cannot see. He is the unquestioned, undisputed, unequivocal, explicit king over the universe, above all power, both human and spiritual. Now, how did he get the title Lord? How did he get that title? Was it just, you know, before he came down, God says, you know what, you need a title, let's call you Lord. That's not how it happened. How did he get the title? How did he get the name? How did he get the designation Lord? By leaving heaven? Not entirely. By becoming a baby? Not entirely. By living as a man? Not entirely. Did he get the title by dying on the cross? Not entirely. By being buried? Not entirely. How did he get the title Lord? By rising from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the Father on high. That's how. He showed himself to be authoritative even over mankind's arch enemy, death. Death is the destroyer of worlds, and our God in Christ has destroyed the destroyer. So he is authoritative not just in a few realms, but in every realm. That's what Peter says in the very first sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says, let all the house of Israel, because he's speaking in Jerusalem to Jews, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Not just Christ, but Lord and Christ. And this, this Jesus whom you crucified. How far does his authority reach? It reaches beyond what we can imagine. Romans 14.9 says, To this end, for to this end, Christ died and lives, lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and the living. See, in our world, someone can have authority only over people who live. Our Lord has authority over everyone. The old English says, the quick and the dead. See, he became Lord because he defeated death and is now exalted at the right hand of the Father. He is above all. And one day, he will show himself to be Lord. Not everybody bows at his, at his, at his, at his feet like they should. One day, everybody will. Everybody will confess one day that Jesus is Lord. Everybody will confess because they will see him as Lord and they will say, you are the unquestioned ruler of the universe. As Christians, we see this now. And we must recognize that we, need, we forget that we are Lord. We forget that he is Lord. We think, I even said it wrong, we think we are Lord of our own lives, don't we? I do. I'm so grateful Jesus is different. He's different than I am. He's different from, man, from, from the rest of us. We want to be like God. We want to take the place of God. That's what sin is. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. That's what Adam did in the garden. What he did was he went to try to take the place of God. How different our Lord is. What did our Lord do? He gave up equality with God, not as a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, becoming a man, a servant, and dying on the cross so that we might be able to have hope that goes beyond this life, past the grave, and to all eternity. This is the realm our Lord commands. He is our Lord, and we unite under him. See, we as a church are not our own. Individuals, we are not our own. We are united under our one Lord. See, the reason we can read Romans 8.38 that says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. The reason that nothing can separate us not death or life or angels or demons or anything, is because he has defeated death and our God, our, our, our Savior, is not just a regional Savior, but the one Lord. And as a church, this is the Lord we serve. And more than that, this is the Lord we're called to be united under. All of us serve him. You do? I do. We're called as a church. This is your church. You're called to, you, to, to be more aware of the fact that you serve this Lord than yourself. Now, if you're from another church, that's, you're called to work that out there. He's the Lord. But he's also our Lord. He's also our world, our Lord. Our world, as you know, has been stained by the power of sin. We are not free agents. We are meant to serve our Lord. And so one of the ways, one of the primary ways we serve the Lord as a church is by remembering that we must, verse 3, what does it say? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you read Ephesians the first thing Paul says, he's, he explains the gospel. The first thing he does to apply it is he says this, Church, live together united. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because you're one body. You're of one spirit. You have one hope, and you serve one Lord. This isn't a suggestion. This is a command. Now, unity does not mean we're going to have the same opinion about everything. That's uniformity. We're not striving for uniformity. Uniformity is oppressive and legalistic. Uniformity is not biblical. We're going to have different opinions about masks, politics, schooling, how to spend our time. And our rancorous, divisive age wants us to divide along those kinds of lines. But as Christians and as a church, what we must do, one of the ways we make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is to remind ourselves who we serve. We serve this one Lord, all of us. Not a one of us is our own. If you're a Christian, you've been bought. You've been purchased. And you didn't buy yourself. You don't own yourself. This Jesus is your Lord. He has died so that you might be able to live 
And that means he owns you. And we're united. We're, we, we are all, we're not the same. We're from different backgrounds. Some of us are from different nationalities. We are different ages. We have different education levels. We have different interests, different disappointments, different sufferings. But we have one Lord. See, we're united not because we have the same background or because we have the same nationality or because we're all the same age or because we're the same, but because we serve the one Lord. That is the reason. He is the reason that we must keep together. We're called to serve our Lord together. What you can do alone is not enough. You are not enough by yourself. Not only do you need Jesus, not only do you need to serve your Lord, you also need other people. You need to be united to other people. And if you're a part of this church, that means you're united here. I can be, we can be, we must be united to anyone who calls our Jesus Lord. No matter who they are, no matter where they're from, that takes work. There's a reason, Paul says, to make every effort. We're not free to treat others in any way that we please. Why? Because we serve one Lord. He's king. We're not. He has decided what's important. What's important in a local church? Jesus Christ and serving him. What else is important? Loving others with all of our, with, with, with loving others as well. The way you can tell if you love Jesus is by how much you love other people. And as a church, one of the ways that we are called to be a witness to the watching world is by being united, even through this season. Politics and the direction of our nation, the opinions that are flying around all over, there are so many voices making every effort to tear people apart. We must not be that people. You see, we're united not because we have the same political perspectives. We're united not because we have the same opinions, but we're united because we serve the one Lord. See, here's the question we need to ask ourselves from time to time. Am I willing to overlook people's differences for me, different opinions, to serve the one Lord. We must be. Part of making every effort is remembering that we serve not ourselves, but one Lord, Jesus. Jesus has authority over every area of your life. Whether you realize it or not. We don't have the freedom to do what we want, when we want, how we want. And if we take Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and the rest of the New Testament seriously, we don't have the freedom to sow discord, to foster dissension. What we have the freedom to do is to remember why we are united. It's not because we're all on the left or all on the right but because we are all under one Lord. That's why. He's why. He's why. 
He's why we're united. Think about it. Our Lord, who has all authority over worlds we'll never see even, uses that authority for our good. He's an easy Lord to serve. He uses his authority to love and forgive. You see, when we remember that we serve one Lord together, and that this Lord is good, and he's kind, and he's gentle, and he's loving, because we serve that Lord, and because we're called to make every effort, we can recognize that we can be good, and kind, and gentle, and loving to anyone, regardless, and especially if they're a part of your, own, of, of your church. You see, we have to make every effort to stay united because we serve the same Lord. So may we be more passionate about our one Lord than our presidential candidate. May we be more passionate about our one Lord than our opinion about masks. May we be more passionate about our one Lord and serving him and making every effort to live in harmony with others than anything else we're about. Because this is how we serve the one Lord together. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for help, Lord, both personally and for all of us. Lord, we all recognize that it's very tempting to divide based on interests or hobbies or political opinions or differences in what we think the direction of the nation ought to be, that's very tempting, Lord. But I pray you would help us to be a people who have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who is our Lord, the one who holds all things in his hand, the one who holds all creation together by the power of his word. You, Jesus, you, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be united around you. Lord, help us each to take this personally, to not say, I hope everybody else makes every effort to be united to me. No, help us to think about this individually and together. May we make every effort to be united under our one Lord and not all the other things we're tempted to be united around. This we can't do on our own. This we pray that you would help us with. This I pray that you would help our perspectives to be right. In your name, Jesus, not in our own. It's in your name that we pray, because you are Lord. We're not. Help us to be united under you as Lord, for your glory and for your name.